everybody. This is I Hear I See Radio, episode 111. We've got triple ones today. I Hear I See began as a concert series back in 2009. Uh, I started doing a radio show in 2017 on KRUI. And now we're at a point where I can do neither. We can't do live shows and I can't go to the radio station. So we're doing just a podcast. This is an online-only version of I Hear I See Radio. But uh, if you are subscribed to the Patreon, then you might be watching this as a video. Otherwise, you're probably just listening to us. My name is Justin Comer, and today I'm joined by uh, a friend of mine. I'm going to introduce him with his uh, artist name and profile. I've got the only Ion here with me today. And uh, according to his Bandcamp profile, he employs eclectic musical styles with poetic lyricism, bordering on several musical genres, and he's influenced by a number of different elements. He shared the stage with Greaves, Ghostface Killer, Psalm One, Sage Francis, and I'll leave the rest of the list to later because maybe we'll talk about some of the other artists that he shared the stage with. Uh, but you also may remember if you've been following the series for a while that uh, this guy performed on our show back in January of this year at the Yacht Club, which seems like a lifetime ago now. But please welcome to the show, the only Ion. Say hello. Hey. <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. I've wanted to get you on the uh, radio show for quite a while, but now now we have this opportunity instead. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess we can start with your name, the only Ion. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Um, so it comes from a couple different places. Ion starts with an I, which my first name starts with an I. Uh, Ion is a, what do they call it? I believe they call it a monologue from Plato. Okay. Um, and, uh, which is Greek and I am Greek. So that's, that's the third one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, okay, and you said your name starts with an I, and that was something mm-hmm. I hoped we might be able to get into tonight. So when we met, it was when I started working at Anglert, and you've mm-hmm. been working production there for a while. Yeah. And you were introduced to me as Sam. Yes. Is that your middle name? That is my middle name. Okay. And your first name yeah. begins with I. Yes, which is Yanis. Yanis, okay. And like I've known you as Sam, but it seems mm-hmm. like... You may prefer Yanis or Um Yeah. I always go back and forth very yeah. much, very much so in regards to being a, just a townie here mm-hmm. and people already knowing me one way and it not bothering me that they continue to say that, but it's it's um I've always it's always been both, especially as I've gotten older. Um and um but yeah i don't know I've, it's i feel more one way towards the other nowadays but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pressure anybody so to speak to mm-hmm. change how they're how they're addressing me <laughs> okay well if you feel more comfortable if i address you by name tonight i'll mm-hmm. use yanis sure okay <laughs> great we'll plan on that 
So uh, you actually let me pull up your Bandcamp again because you've got some some genres listed here. Uh, Hip hop, rap. Is that that how you I like would categorize your music for the most part? Uh, yeah, I would say people the the folks who would know me from any show or performance would definitely that would be where it is. Okay. I I will add that when I've seen you perform it's also very melodic it's it's Mm -hmm. not all like spoken word rapping right straight bars or whatever Mm -hmm. uh yes and that's that's probably something that's definitely just developed over the last probably couple years so that's newer that's newer Mm -hmm. definitely and when did you start performing or writing music um young I started playing guitar probably around eight or nine and then started performing on a regular basis, probably like right towards the end of high school. Okay. You said nine Um, for guitar? Yeah. I mean, music, music started pretty early for me, which I, you know, wish I knew more and like, um, just from theory and like the real, the structural, the structural integrity of, of music and all of that, which I was never good on or keen on learning. And yeah. now that I'm older where it's like, Oh, probably should have learned that. It's too late but to learn now. No, yeah. too hard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I've heard of your music though, you have like, even if you haven't studied, I guess song structure or whatever like you have mm-hmm. an innate understanding of it anyway yeah which absolutely. I assume you picked up from like just the practice and listening to music that you enjoy yeah um yeah practice and listening and, and playing and just learning what you can along the way and from whatever whatever uh source you can you know yeah which I think in most ways is like more effective than if you had just cracked open a book and just learned on paper or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's more internalized if you learn it by doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I definitely have like, I definitely tried to take music theory classes and stuff. And like, and I was in choir for all four years of high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, there's something, there's something, and this is me with schooling in general, where there's something about like text, like the textbook paper way of how they teach stuff that just like, it doesn't, it doesn't cut through to me. And it's, it never, it's never been able that been able to be that way. Anything that like I've developed sort of a, 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 a taste for was because like I did something like and not just sat at a desk with a piece of paper and like a worksheet and it's yeah (laughs) yeah uh i guess something i'm curious about if you started on guitar like guitar Mm -hmm. is not to me like a super hip-hoppy instrument to start with Mm -hmm. so were you already like a fan of rap and hip-hop when you started playing guitar um some but definitely not not as much as I became later on. I definitely started out in sort of the same realm as uh, just, you know, when you learn learn about like, I don't know, Hendrix or 
or Led Zeppelin or something. And there is, you know, there is definitely something in my younger days that like I was drawn to by that. Um, Prince, Prince was a huge one too Mm -hmm. of just of, you know, especially when you see footage of somebody like that play and you see them perform, like there's something very uh, encapturing about that and that it just draws you in and and you want to know more about it. Yeah, Prince especially is like an yeah. extremely captivating uh, character. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, so sex man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good so guitar. then, so then you're so then you're ten years old and you see this dude in like a superhero outfit <laughs> with a with a guitar and a and a big like blouse thing yeah. almost, and it's like you know you you don't look back from that. <laughs> So who uh, who got you into guitar? Uh, my stepfather, who's okay. a, a, a monstrous guitar player. Oh yeah, yeah. So he he does a lot of uh, he does like a lot of sort of singer songwriter finger picking style. Nice. Um, and he also plays he also plays with a band. And you grew up around here, right? Mm-hmm. So does he around here too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's. I mean, he he definitely gigs regularly and like as part of his income oh sweet is he somebody that i would know or not uh maybe uh ben ben schmidt oh yeah okay yeah 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 that's your stepdad okay yeah yeah nice yeah (laughs) all right so he got you into guitar um Mm -hmm. and you sort of developed a taste for hip-hop later you were more like a classic rock guy when you started on guitar Classic, classic rock, and and some new metal. I'm ashamed to say, but hey, that's that's all right. I mean, you know, that's just kind of coming back. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I still I still get feelings about it too. Like, there's you know, when I hear a corn song, I definitely get a nostalgic <laughs> feeling. But that's, yeah. you know, that's that's the early 2000s. Yeah, that's. I wasn't like super into that stuff, but I did. I mean, that stuff was getting radio play at the time, so I did kind yeah. of absorb a little of it like by accident yeah absolutely and i mean i think i saw i mean i think like corn is a big one because that was definitely one that i listened to a lot as you know as like a 10 11 year old because i think it was right when and i think like my first exposure to them was mtv through a music video at like a friend's house because like we didn't have any of that stuff at our house so when i saw it and i saw the music video and i saw it just the way it hit where it was just like oh like that's that's something yeah it's pretty uh raw i guess <laughs> yeah um okay so new metal so i guess i can see how new metal could have been kind of like a bridge from like the hendrix and stuff into hip-hop for you perhaps yeah i mean the hip-hop stuff definitely that was sort of the growth through high school mm-hmm. and that that was that was just where i learned a lot more about um a lot more about uh music in general and just being sort of opened up through you know through the friends that i met and were hanging out with there um learned a lot more sort of about the the socioeconomic responsibilities that sort of uh hip-hop uh 
kind of falls in mm-hmm. um and and just the stories that that kind of evolved out of that genre and learning about it and i mean that was it was a sort of a it was you know it was an awakening when i kind of established that it was like oh this is what hip hop does like this is what this is what it's about it's about like this you know the 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 telling of of what's going on and what's really happening especially here and especially when you look at sort of how things are now and sort of this reawakening of of this whole BLM thing i mean mm-hmm. it stems it stems all the way back to the earliest records that you could find yeah yeah so like what specifically like what kind of stuff were you listening to when you started discovering this stuff and sort of realizing the social impact of this music um there was um gosh uh i mean there's there's black alicious um that was a big record for me um and uh that's one of the names that i skipped when i was reading the long list of people you've performed with (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah yeah that was somewhat Uh, recent right that yeah i mean we Gosh, I can't remember. That was recent. That was, I think, probably last, maybe last year. Yeah. Like last fall, maybe. Um, yeah. And then we also did a couple years prior, I think, with the group. I can't remember if that first one was a solo group or not. Um, yeah. Uh, God, I'm so bad at this. I'm trying to think of what. I mean, you know, you could take take any main you know, mainstream album. I mean, 2001 was a huge one for me in high school. That was a huge, huge influence, um, from Dr. Dre Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of repetitive scenarios that, that come out of the lyricism of, of, of hip hop music that, that really told me a lot about, about America mostly Mm -hmm. just, um, told me a lot about how just how you know how this came to be and what the repercussions of how how it came to be are you know still relevant and and you know very much alive and and the day yeah yeah well maybe we should talk about what's going on now a little bit uh if you're comfortable doing that (laughs) yeah absolutely so uh as I mentioned before, we met each other working at Anglert, and that mm-hmm. that was your main job, mm-hmm. and I guess still is. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, the Anglert Theater is a a business that requires events to be held, which is nearly impossible right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, you and I haven't been seeing each other at work much over the past few months but um Mm -mm. we have been seeing each other fairly regularly elsewhere Uh, that's right (laughs) that's right yeah so we've we've been uh involved in the protests organized by the iowa freedom riders over the past few months um i guess do you think that your education in these these kinds of uh I guess ever present issues from hip hop that I assume has informed like your eagerness to uh support these protests. Um yeah, I mean and 
mostly, you know, only, not only, but like in the sense, in the sense of that hip hop has like given so much to me Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, hip hop comes obviously from like, from like black people and like black people's culture and like, you know, I, I rely so much on music and a lot of black culture in general for like just like my personal well-being and like my happiness and like the things that make me feel good like when i'm angry or sad or like upset or Mm -hmm. and you know any sort of any sort of range of of feelings or emotions or whatever like you know i can so much of that has influenced me and that you know i acknowledge everything that black people go through Mm -hmm. here you know i have you know my friends talk to me about it i've talked to my friends about it i've you know you see it it's all over the news constantly yeah um and people get murdered by the police Mm -hmm. and nothing happens yeah and it's all it's all very clear and it's on a very very wide projection and um you know when people say I don't feel safe. You have to help them and you have to protect them. Um, And that's involved with, you know, that's minorities and that's poor people and that's working people. And, and it's, it's all just, it's very there and it's very present. And uh, I, you know, when there's a March, I want to be there Mm -hmm. and I want to be, I want to be a member of that. And, and involved and I want people to know that like I'm involved and that I'm here yeah yeah I, I couldn't really say it any better uh, mm-hmm. yeah I've been really happy to see this happening and to be able to support it with my presence mm-hmm. uh, I don't know <laughs> it's kind of like a blessing that um our job mostly doesn't exist. It gave us a lot of time over the summer to like be at nearly every March. I don't know. Like, do you know how many of these you missed? I think, I think I just missed the first one. (laughs) I think I missed the first one. And then me and my partner went to the second one, which was basically in front of, I think in front of the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, the minute, the minute that it was like, oh, you don't have a job anymore was almost coincided with all of this starting up. Yeah. In which case it was like, oh, okay, great. Now I can give my time to this, you know, for basically full time, <laughs> which is what I, you know, theoretically I'd prefer to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would much rather just be like, just be pushing and just marching and pissing people off (laughs) getting getting the message across yeah yeah it's nice to uh be able to dedicate so much time to something that has a clear like positive impact on Mm -hmm. people which i mean there's a positive impact to like working for a paycheck but it's more like uh you are able to pay rent and eat food Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) and work you know it's not always so unambiguously good in other ways other than your own self 
sustenance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I mean, the funny is like not you know not working where it's like I don't I feel like my mental health has never been better. Mm-hmm. And it's like oh maybe we shouldn't be working sixty seventy hour weeks back <laughs> back to back to back to back to back mm-hmm. and like you know maybe it should be a four day work week or something. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's definitely, if going back to work is a thing, it's, 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 it's going to be done reluctantly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a proponent of, uh, working less overall. Yeah. Like I think that would definitely benefit pretty much everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the nature of, um, our work is like, it's, I don't think it's just going to be like flipping a switch and back to those long weeks. Mm-mm. It's going to no. be like trickling in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, seeing the bars and stuff around here is, I mean, it's totally different scene between college kids and, and most of the, you know, the patronage at, at, at work, but mm-hmm. you know, that it's, I, I think people are going to be a little more. I don't want to say suspect, but like they want to, they're going to want to ease into it. I think more. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Audience wise, they'll be reluctant. And also mm-hmm. like, I mean, just economically, like a lot of people who may have been touring a year ago are mm-hmm. not going to be able to just jump back into it. Yeah, no, that's true. I, there's definitely, I, there's a handful of people that I think about who, you know, when I think about the industry and sort of the business and it's like, man, their career was really just starting to take off. Yeah. They where stopping is literally the worst thing <laughs> they could have, you know, but they had to. So yeah, it was kind of forced. It's on gonna be, it, it, yeah. And it's going to be hard for them to pick up that momentum again. And yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Well, let's go back before things were so bleak i guess (laughs) um how did you like when did you get the job at angler how did you get into like uh audio production work um i got into audio production work through uh uay and the youth center Um, uay is a united action for youth correct Mm -hmm. yep yep that's right and they had basically just moved into a new space that had um that had basically a, a top of the line like home recording system um but they had they had you know they had a control room and they had they had a live room um and me and a buddy who became really close and we just you know we had been starting to make music together and yeah. so when we when we sort of found this it was like oh and we were just in there constantly. Yeah. And then, um, and that was, that was sort of my first experience of recording and the process and, you know, learning about, learning about pro tools or, or whatever it was. Um, and how long ago uh, was that? I don't think we've put the timeline together. Uh, okay. So that would have been, 2005 2006 okay so somewhere in high school 
yeah like yeah. early early high school like eighth probably eighth grade eighth ninth grade probably okay okay yeah yeah i forget you're like slightly younger than me mm-hmm. <laughs> for me that's like right in the middle of high school yeah yeah the, the glory years yeah that's right <laughs> Um, and you mentioned when we were talking about um, Black Alicious that you performed with them as as a group. So what uh, what groups have you been involved with musically? Um, really, just really just the one, really just the Authenticates, um, and that was like a f- about a five year run. Okay, that that was roughly 2012 to 2017 2018 um i'm trying to think of the last show that we did right before i met you (laughs) yeah yeah probably right before um yeah and i mean we probably still maybe did a one-off show there and there somewhere too since i've known you but um yeah so what's the story with that group authenticates Uh, you said yes yes um that is um me and um my boy John Dope and uh my friend Eric uh Romulan oh yeah, who yeah. I grew, who I grew up with um and we went to high school together and stuff and we kind of started rapping around the same time and uh he was in California for a couple years and then came back so he was in California while me and John Dope we're starting to play shows together mm-hmm. and then, and then he moved back and then we start all started doing shows together. Okay. And then, and then eventually uh, DJ Johnny six got involved probably a year or two later, who was John dopes DJ from like back in the day. And cause John dope is I think 10 years older than us. Okay. Or something. So okay. he has, and yeah. So you've got like a, like an older wiser guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and then since then, you've been kind of just like a solo act. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't. It, you know, it was just a thing that sort of just kind of drifted naturally. It's not. I don't want to say you know, it, like an official hiatus or anything like that, but like. Right. It was kind of just like, fuck, we all just work all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, all we fucking do is work. Like, there's no time to, you know, we can't practice and we can't, you know, get up right. And it's like, you get done with your, you know, 10-hour shift or whatever. And it's like, you just, you're just exhausted. Yeah. I mean, and my work is, is especially weird and I have a love-hate relationship with it where it's like, oh, I love concerts. And, like, I'm by trade, like, an audio sound person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, you've worked those shows where it's like, you're there at 10 AM and you work until the end of the concert and you know, you get as many as concerts as you might see. I mean, you know, I see, saw like 250 concerts a year basically (laughs) for, for, for six years. And it's like, it's not like, it doesn't get less stimulating. Like it's still, you know, a thousand people and a bunch of flashing lights and giant, you know, giant loud music. So you go home and then, you know, I don't have the capacity to sit there and like fine tune this song that I'm mixing. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, 
I definitely like working a show like that better than I liked my office job. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So there's like there are downsides to it being like less of a regular schedule, but it's yeah. also because like that can wreak havoc on your life too, where like you're not able to do anything for like three weeks, maybe if you're yeah. in the busy season. But yeah, it's also like generally something pretty different every time. That's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I picked up another job over the course of this you know past six months just to do one or two days a week just for something a little supplemental. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's definitely just like a minimum wage assembly line job and about two hours in is when it's just like it's the existential dread just f- fills me yeah of where it's like oh my god i have to get out of this <laughs> I, have to, I have to get away from this as quickly as possible yeah i haven't done anything like that in a while but like <clears throat> sometimes there's there's like a little bit of comfort in like a super menial job mm-hmm. where like you don't really have to think about it and it's just like I just perform a task over and over and then yeah. I leave with the paycheck. Yep. And it's it doesn't suck out like my mental uh capabilities, I guess. R- right, it's right. It's not it's not asking anything of me other than my time, really. Yeah. But uh I think I think it's like a limited amount of time where you can endure that. Mm-hmm. Like eventually it really does start draining on you yeah yeah and i think i think that's right i mean i definitely during you know during the the work at the theater i was definitely like man it'd be great to work a job where i knew i had a sunday you know the sundays right. off or like the tuesdays off and like that i could as opposed to it changing up every other day basically and <laughs> You know, whether your Tuesday is going to be a, you know, a four hour shift or a 12 hour shift is. Yeah. I mean, it can change like right up till the day of sometimes. Yeah. Basically, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it depends Definitely. on how information gets around sometimes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. What other kind of jobs have you worked? Because that's sometimes interesting to get into. Yeah. I, let's see. Um, I think I was a paper boy for about two days <laughs> and then. Uh, I eventually, I eventually got a job as a, um, as a engineer at the youth center. Okay. Sort of later, later in high school. Um, and so I'd be in there and recording, recording whatever bands or, or rappers or whatever kids came through to try and try and record. Um, and that was like a paid gig. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I did That's that really cool. and I actually, I worked. I worked two jobs in high school, so I, basically all I did was work. Um, so I worked there, and then I worked at the Brown Bottle in mm-hmm. downtown Iowa City, um, and that was it's a good experience um, for the most part. <laughs> met a lot of good met a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I went. From there, I think I worked at the mill for a little bit. Rest in peace. Yeah, all right. And then, yeah, um, went to the mill. No, no, I went to Shorts. I worked at Shorts in downtown Iowa City after the fact. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I worked at Stellas up by the stadium. Um, and then I think at the mill. Yeah, I think that's it. 
Mostly just, yeah, just all kitchen work, I think. Yeah, up so until... you've got a lot of, like, service work in mm-hmm. your background, which I think kind of makes sense uh, that you ended up with your kind of uh, ideological, philosophical outlook because you've mm-hmm. experienced, like, the exploitation of that kind of world, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no... I mean, it's... You know, if... and. Do, if you were, I definitely have always just been in a place of where I want to be aware of those societal uh, thorns, mm-hmm. I, I guess. Um, and just partially just how I grew up and how I was raised and, and thinking and just acknowledging that, uh, yeah, just acknowledging sort of the exploitation of of the working class and and how how hard we work mm-hmm. and and for how little we see from it yeah <laughs> um yeah and when when you use the term working class how do you define that like how narrowly how broadly like who is working class to you um working class um gosh that's a good question <laughs> I, I, man, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, just, I, I don't know, all of us, like, I don't know, I mean, I guess if you put a number on it, like, anybody who makes less than 80,000 a year, I mean, if that's less than 100, I, <laughs> is that too high? I, I think that's fair, but I, I also, I tend to think about it, like, a little more like fundamentally or literally like somebody who works for the money they get. And by, yeah. by work, I mean like you, somebody else is your boss. Like yeah. somebody pays you to do labor for them. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely, there's definitely sort of a tier um, category category of like, I don't know. I mean, are you going to yell? I mean, there's the, you know, so there's the doctor and then there's, there's the barista who like works uh-huh. in the hospital. Yeah. And, and like, you know, those baristas are, those baristas are really important, but they like, they don't get, they don't get anything. I mean, especially now, like, especially during this. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've heard, I've heard about, stuff where it's like they don't have they don't have the equipment they need to serve coffee in a hospital in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) like they don't have you know no but Uh, they're still doing it yeah they're still doing (laughs) it because they because they have to and Mm. they all probably have thousands and thousands of dollars of of student debt to pay off and and people who are under that type of that type of pressure uh can't stop you can't Mm -hmm. stop because you know the minute you stop then you owe more and it's just it's you know it's just it's this thing of where all of this all of this falls on us all of this falls on like you know the rich people don't have to pay the school debt the rich people don't have to pay the medical bills and like both of those things should be free because who the fuck can afford any of that yeah it's uh I mean, it's like functionally free to them because it's not something they have to worry about for more than a day. 
Yeah. 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 You know, you, you know, you do it and then you pay it off. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Did you go to college? Yeah, okay. I did. Um, you brought up student debt, so I was just wondering if that was part yeah, of your experience. So, um, it, well, no, not not compared to every the normal experience. <laughs> um, my mother teaches playwriting, mm-hmm. um, and she was teaching at Columbia in Chicago, um, which is an art school, and that's where I applied because it seemed like a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, I don't know, I did a tour and there was three very gorgeous recording studios that they had and it yeah. kind of sold me. <laughs> um, and so because she was a teacher there, there was um, tuition exchange, tuition remission. Yeah. Tuition something. And so I basically got free schooling for the, th- for a few years and it basically um and i basically worked that up as far as i could get and then stopped yeah <laughs> um to to avoid accumulating any more debt um so i did about three years i think yeah and what were you doing Oops. you mentioned the recording studios is that- yeah I, st- I studied i studied audio design and production nice uh, um and uh, yeah, it was it was weird. It was a really it, it was a really weird moment in time for that industry. Mm. It was it was kind of right when the technology started to transition. Okay, from yeah. from from like the analog world and and not quite the tape world, but like mostly analog sort of the bare bones of what pro tools was Mm -hmm. and it that was when it really started to sort of transition into like oh everybody's got a home recording studio and everybody's got uh you know stuff at home that they can use to record this and that and all the professors were like these old guys who have been doing it for for 30 years and they like weren't quite adapted to the new stuff and how the new technology works and all of that and so i think them as a whole was were just very frustrated and i think it just kind of led to a poor learning environment yeah that makes sense Uh, um it's kind of hard to overcome that (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean my time you know it was cool and i love chicago um but my experience in that department was it was a little it was a little off to say I had somewhat like kind of a similar thing when I went to grad school because we had uh, we had electronic music classes. I was there to yeah. study composition, and then we, you know, we learned a little bit about music technology stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy who taught it, Larry Fritz, he's like he's a good guy, but he had been there since like the early '90s, so mm-hmm. he, he had kind of a similar thing where like he came up using like tape and. So all of his like real hands-on experience is from back then. And it's like he knows how to adapt to newer technology and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not like his home. So it's a little right. bit like he's translating old stuff into the new world. Right. And that's yeah. sometimes not the most efficient way to go about things. 
No, not, no, definitely not. And like fundamentally, yeah, it's the same, but it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. (laughs) So let's uh, talk more about that long list of people you've performed with. Do you have like a favorite, uh, memory of like a performance that you did? Um, or we could, we could stop go the opposite direction do your least favorite (laughs) (laughs) uh least favorite um i did a house show once where it was packed and in reality it was a good time but there was i think uh some kid who he was shouting stuff at me when i was on stage Mm -hmm. Uh, i think he was he was trying to accuse me of and maybe he was just calling me like a poser or something i don't remember um (laughs) But, I mean, it was minor. It wasn't like, I don't know. I never, like, fell on stage or something like that. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I don't think I've I think the last show I did, I wasn't super thrilled about my perform my last show, which was uh, with Jizza. Right. For a Liquid, uh, Liquid Sword anniversary tour. Um, yeah, just not a strong performance for... A, a show that big and, and something <laughs> something as solidified as that you know yeah the show just, and you know, it was like that was like people. that was like late january early january. february yeah yeah i remember it was like right after you did my show mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you there's no way you could have known that that would have been like your last performance for no who knows no <laughs> no who knew <laughs> it's it sucks because like just it's like you know if we never come out of this and that's the last show i play for the rest of my life it's gonna be rather disappointing that it was it was not a stronger set yeah all right well now let's get to the positive so what's like your favorite memory uh ghostface killer was was definitely a really definitely a, a moment um that was that was just good that was like that was before that was it no, I don't think it was before I worked there. Um, but yeah, that was just a good show. That was just, you know, that was 300 people. I was on the Englert stage. Nice. Um, it's for Mission Creek. So, I mean, it was, yeah, that was just a good day. It was just a good day to to have. Um, uh, Black Milk. Played with Black Milk a couple times. Um, that's a... That's just a personally for me, just because that's somebody who's just been a huge influence on on sort of how I I craft. Um, and there's there's a lot of sonic textures that I feel like he sort of put out there that really sort of define Midwest. Okay, and, and I'm um, super like ignorant to this genre in general. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me like um, whatever you want to tell me about Black Milk. Yeah, so Black Milk is from Detroit. Um, I I grew up making beats on the MPC, mm-hmm. um, made by Akai, which he also does. Um, he is like sort of second generation Dadilla, mm-hmm. um, both being from Detroit, and I think was sort of sort of an underling to to Jay Dilla and and that whole scene during that time with Slum Village and all of that. Um, so I took a lot of influence from from them and from uh, from Detroit in general, just because of a they're close and right. Um, you know, I found a 
an attraction to to the NPC. Well, that's cool. I mean, you have like the hardware connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess tell me more about the NPC. Like, this is something I haven't used either. Uh, yeah. So the NPC is, um, I believe it stands for MIDI Production Center. Mm-hmm. Initially, I think over the years they've changed it to Music. Um, and it's basically it's a sampler, and it you know you have sixteen pads, and you can basically put whatever sound you want on each pad, and be able to um, sort of compose in that way. And there's there's certain things about the uh, sort of the structure of of the uh, sort of like the software, yeah, um, and where that the limitations of the machines sort of require you to think differently um sort of from a music from a musical standpoint almost um but as a result you're you're able to definitely find uh characteristics that that you wouldn't be able to otherwise okay cool <laughs> this is yeah i uh no hands on experience so like i can't relates super well to it but mm-hmm. i mean i've heard your music so i understand sort of where you're coming from mm-hmm. um so over the past few months have you been producing music yes okay that's exciting it's yeah. i'm not asking that with any sort of judgment i'm just curious like how people are handling this <laughs> yeah i definitely and sort of what you're saying just in regards to what you said earlier for me becoming a little more melodic. Right. Um, I, I think this time sort of to myself and whatever has sort of pushed that even further and that I don't quite know how much sort of dead on rapping I'll do from mm. here on out. Um, and going back to being sort of and starting out being a musician where like I kind of missed kind of been missing playing guitar and like doing stuff on stage that isn't just required to me to scream into or yell into a microphone. Um, and like, cause in general, I'm not a super talkative person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I kind of miss being able to sort of show off in those other ways, I guess, um, that can still be expressive and not fully, reliant on on singing or or rapping Mm -hmm. yeah it's um when i was like young and i was like first getting into music i felt like playing an instrument was like less personal in a way and so it was easier for me to like just perform on an instrument than it was to like use my voice right which yeah there was more like fear there i guess mm-hmm. yeah when it when it's going through an instrument there's like a level of there's a separation a little bit yeah yep absolutely yeah so there's definitely there's moments there's like moments and elements of that 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 i, I miss and i want to i want to be able to express in that way um so i've kind of i've been i've been producing and making stuff but i've kind of been working on on practicing with sort of the the tools that are in front of me and trying to build sort of like a a rig where I can 
sort of bounce between doing vocal stuff and playing guitar and like doing finger drumming and, and looping and stuff and trying to incorporate all these elements without um, sort of relying too much on like too much backing tracks and trying to yeah. sort of trust trust myself more into into building something that can flow cohesively for a few minutes without it sounding too too loopy sure <laughs> um oh yeah you did that um no touching sessions thing a while yeah. back. yep is that yeah that, is that the only like performance you've done uh yeah since since um since everything sort of shut down mm-hmm. yeah that's that's been the only thing i've done um i have sort of I've talked to talked to other people in some of the film the video video folks I know and we've talked about going and doing like a location somewhere and filming a track or two. We just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. Yeah. How did that uh thing at Gabe's come about? Like who asked you to do that? Uh Crystal. Crystal reached out to me and asked me to do it. Mm-hmm. She's um I mean Gabe's is Gabe's is like my home court you know that's if i want to do that's like it's like my favorite place to do shows um so i definitely left at the opportunity when she asked um crystal's also just amazing too yeah she's cool (laughs) yeah uh there was something you just mentioned that i was gonna go back to what were you talking about before i asked you about the no touching sessions um performing producing oh videos videos that's videos, what i was gonna yes. ask you about yeah uh i know you've done at least one music video yeah is there more than one or just the one uh i think there's one more so that, two. <laughs> yeah i think there's one more that came out in 2013 okay so those are those are a while ago now but uh yeah i guess let's talk about those because like they're from what I remember, it's been a few months since I since I looked at them, but yeah. <laughs> but I remember them being like fairly well like constructed. So yeah, how did you how'd you put those together? Um, so the roses video yeah. um, was done by uh, a production group called Deft Visuals, based out of Des Moines. Um, that's Bruce James Bailed and uh, uh, John Baker who um there i've known bruce for a few years um he kind of intermingled into the same with the same scene that my buddy eric was in because eric was a big skater Mm -hmm. um and and bruce does a lot of filming for he does like like uh he does i think he's made of like a bunch of skate videos and like roller skating videos and and sort of those highlight reels nice um and so they knew each other and um it's we you know just over the course of a couple of years sort of just started talking about trying to get something done that we could just collaborate on and just do it together um he's got a he's got a really a really good eye and um i think he he sort of captures captures our space i'd like to say in that sense of like us as iowa's and um and i just i just like his work a lot and um i really wanted to do something in the in in the theater yeah yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the stage shots are like really nice. Yeah. Like the lighting is all. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah no he did they did they did a, they did a really good job i was i, I really like that video and what was the other video uh the other one uh was for a song called uh love smokes which was shot in the tobacco bowl which is a uh a staple of iowa city <laughs> God. Which is a place that is hard to imagine would ever exist now, but it def- it it definitely did. <laughs> you want to smoke, man? Well, here's a promise. We'll talk your nonsense about who the cult is. In the rapture of when they meet bad owners and dragons, take a step into the alleyway of sweet satisfaction. The price is standing, knowing enough for a stimulation. She took a close up at a hint of hesitation. The room was dark. Is it the whole video in there? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think. Yeah, I think the whole video is in there. Yeah, like I said, it's been a while since I looked at those, but mm-hmm. I think there are at least some like exterior shots, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think there's a shot that's that's outside and see the front of it. Yep. Yeah. Well, we've been talking for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you want to like get out there to anyone who might be listening before we wrap up? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I hope. <laughs> I don't know. I hope. I hope. I don't know. I hope our administration doesn't get healthier. <laughs> I, I, I hope they all stay sick. Yeah. And just yeah. I, I don't know. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. All those messages. I yeah. want them all. I want them all out and echoed. Yeah. Over and, and over. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, we'll echo that. Uh, where if people were hoping to find more of your work where would you like them to look for it um Bandcamp is probably a good place to start um i would say if they're trying to be involved and they like want to stay in touch uh instagram is probably a good way to go i mm-hmm. definitely just post a lot of clips and and stuff i'm trying to up my game there um and trying to trying to sort of push some of the material out that way and just have some stuff that's a little more fine-tuned because I, I love the seeing how people are doing that and seeing how they are using video on instagram in particular just because like it's just short little clips but for some reason if you start something and you get totally like you get totally drawn into what it you know what somebody's doing i mean especially for like the producers and like the bedroom the bedroom producers and stuff like there's just a lot of cool stuff that's happening yeah everybody's um, learning a lot more about video out of necessity yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely um but you know definitely can't wait to perform again 
I don't know what it's going to sound like, but I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, who knows how long you'll have to practice too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I know your Bandcamp is the only ion.bandcamp.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Remind me what your Instagram handle is. Um, it is I O N A L E X A K I S. That's so that's I, Ion. Name. Yep, Ion is my last name. Cool, um, and I will link both of those uh, when I release this podcast, so it's easy to find. Great. Well, thanks for talking to me tonight. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, we've we've had a nice conversation. Yeah, we've known each other for a while, but we don't often like have an actual like personal chat. You know? No, it's We're true. It's occupied. <laughs> yep. Yeah, in the process of something starting or finishing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, folks, if you uh, want to find more of Yanis's stuff, uh, I'll link that again in the episode description. You can find everything that I've done, everything that anyone's done under the I Hear I See banner at IHearIC.com. And I'll remind anybody who's listening to the audio version of this, if you want to see a video of it for whatever reason, you can sign up for our Patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash i hear i see and uh the minimum set at just a dollar so it's pretty cheap and uh the money that comes in there is money that i spend on people whose time i ask for (laughs) (laughs) in normal times it was money i was using to pay performances but now i'm finding other ways other creative avenues And that'll do it for I Hear I See Radio episode 111. Thanks again to The Only Ion for being my guest. And thanks to everyone who listens. Good night.
a siren with a song just to you right